0: Hello and welcome to BB On The Record, this podcast from British Bandsman. I'm Mark Good, editor of British Bandsman, and in this episode I hear from bass trombonist Adrian Hurst, who discusses a fundraising project he's undertaking along with his daughter Amy. Adrian also discusses spending around a quarter of a century underpinning the trombone section of Black Dyke, where he enjoyed a huge amount of success and travelled all over the world. He chats about the motorcycle accident in 2017, which was to prove life-changing, and explains how the trombone and his love of music has helped with his recovery. All that, plus a cracking piece of the podcast. Firstly, Adrian looks back on a year in which banding activity has, sadly, been thin on the ground for everyone.
1: Uh, It's been a bit bit strange, like everybody else, we've, we've all had to adapt. Our house uh, was redeveloped before lockdown and, and we lived with Amy, my daughter, who I've been biking with for over a year. So there were there were me, my wife, Amy, her husband and four grandkids all in the same house. So it was quite it's a, a nice big house, but it, nevertheless, with, with eight people on, it was still a bit a bit tight. But uh, we were, certainly weren't bored. A lot of people have had uh, uh, issues with loneliness and what have you, but we, we didn't, thankfully, suffer with that. But it was it was nice to get out when we could into some cycling. It's a, a nice rural village that she lives in.
0: Now, talking of cycling, you and your daughter, Amy, are in the midst of a quite considerable fundraising challenge at the moment. Tell me about it and how are you both getting on?
1: Well, yeah, Amy came across uh, Cycle the Month, which is a a prostate cancer uh, charity. And uh, my dad, uh, before he passed away, he he had many complaints, including leukemia, but he did develop prostate cancer. Uh, My daughter's father-in-law's had prostate cancer. My brother-in-law's had prostate cancer. And when Amy spotted this fundraising idea, she thought it was a worthwhile challenge for us. And she said, why don't we have a go? So, yeah, the, the aim is to cycle 100 miles in the month. It's not a massive challenge, but it's still, it's still a long way. And, and I've got a, a paraplegic bike, so so I can power it with arms and legs or both. We've been out, I've been out on that bike and my daughter's got a, a road bike. We've done 51 miles up to now, so we're, we're still going strong. And are you both feeling good about it so far? Amy said that we'd like to raise £200, we've raised uh, over 350 I think now, so it, it's, it's doing quite well.
0: Yes, now you're raising money for Prostate Cancer UK, is there a way people can get involved and make a donation?
1: I think it's Cycle the Month. Prostate Cancer. UK. Hopefully, uh, people can donate to all that.
0: Fantastic. We'll make sure we post that link so people listening to the podcast can see that really easily as well. So good luck, Adrian, to you and Amy on the continued fundraising work there. Now, I'm sure that, like me, so many people will have been familiar with and perhaps grown up with your bass trombone sound making its presence felt with Black Dyke on stages all over the world. We'll look back at some of those moments shortly, but of course life took quite a dramatic turn in 2017 when you and your wife were involved in a very serious motorbike accident. Is that period of time a bit of a blur for you?
1: The first uh, month didn't exist for me. I was uh, in a coma for three or four weeks, so It completely disappeared a month. I can't remember the accident at all. I can remember getting on the motorbike, but I can't remember anything after that. So I can't even remember setting off. We we went to a a local bikers cafe for a a bacon sandwich and a a cup of coffee. And I can't remember getting on the bike even uh, after that for a month. But a car pulled out, unfortunately, as we're going through a, a junction and took us out. So uh, I had uh, multiple bones broken, ribs, uh, shoulder, hip, back, neck, head. I had a cracked skull. Both lungs collapsed. It looked a bit grim. I can't remember everything, but we were uh, recorded by the Yorkshire ambulance crew. And we ended up on a helicopter ER. So that's the only memory I've got of it, is watching the, the helicopter ER episode.
0: Did it take you a while to think about watching that episode, or were you spending a little while saying, "I might just not bother watching this"?
1: No, I was quite keen to, to have a look. To be fair, but because I couldn't remember anything about it, I do sort of wake up a little bit during the the rescue, but I can't remember any of that. But I, I, I did respond to some questions by pointing to my stomach. I think it was they were asking me where I got pain. I, I can't remember any of that.
0: I'm sure playing the trombone was the last thing on anyone's mind at that time. But was there a point, Adrian, where your musical background, your love of music and your trombone playing, was there a time where that started to play a bit of a role in your recovery?
1: Yeah, I think it did. It's difficult to imagine a scenario, obviously, without me with me playing and without me playing, but my lungs took a bit of a battering; they were both punctured and I had to have tubes inserted into my chest in the air ambulance. And, and then I had uh, chest drains in for a, a two or three weeks after, after I got to Leeds General. And I, I'm, I'm convinced that playing the trombone must have helped me uh, uh, lungs recover. And while I was in hospital, my friend Paul Woodward uh, got me a, a P-bone with a trigger. We, we brought it into hospital. And probably for the last three or four months that I was in Pinderfields, I used to sneak into the sports hall on a night and play the plastic trombone to try and get my chops working again.
0: <laughs> I remember reading a story only months after the accident. I mean, it was literally a few months, and there was a picture of you with a trombone in your hands and your black tie uniform on at the time. Do you think the hope to get back to some sort of fitness with the trombone perhaps helped mentally as well?
1: I think it did, yeah. It, it, but it's been very frustrating. Uh, things don't work like they used to work. My, my posture is not good because I'm I'm I've got a, a good degree of paralysis from my waist down, and it's lopsided as well. And that affects my diaphragm. I've a bit of facial numbness that doesn't help. My lungs uh, obviously act like they were, although they're not bad. I don't think they're not too bad, and and I feel like I have a constant really, really tight belt on, that Help that doesn't help breathing. So there are lots of things going on that mean I'm I'm not as good a player as I used to be. But I'm still, I think I'm still improving. I keep trying anyway. So it's very frustrating, but but I suppose mentally it it must be good for, for several aspects of my recovery. Adrian,
0: let's turn the clock back a little bit now and look to your early musical life. How did it all begin for you as far as picking up a brass instrument is concerned?
1: Well, I, I started playing piano uh, when I was seven years old. My mum and dad are Methodists, and we went to a Methodist uh, chapel at South Inley, which is the village I grew up in, which isn't far from Grimethorpe. The, the organist was a, an excellent piano teacher, and she taught me through uh, from, from grade one to grade eight. I did get grade eight eventually. Uh, but in the middle of that, my younger brother, Chris, uh, started playing trombone through the school peri service. And uh, I went to a concert uh, that he was playing in after he'd been playing probably a year or two. And I thought, I wouldn't mind having a go at this. And I I, I ended up with the trombone as well. So that I'd be 14 by then. We both played for Carlton mayn Junior Band. Then I moved on to uh, Barrow Colliery Band, then Yorkshire Imps and then uh, Black Dyke in 92, we're joined Black Dyke and I was there till the accident really.
0: Now the bass trombone is a unique beast, as we know. What drew you to that instrument over anything else?
1: Well, we, in all the bands that I played in as a as a kid, uh, none of them had a bass trombone. We got four, five, six tenors and I was the last one in. So I was asked if I'd uh, like to try bass trombone. So. For a long time, I played bass trombone on a straight tenor. Then, then I had a medium bar, B flat and F, which I played on three or four years until I could afford to buy a nice con uh, double rotor bass trombone. But that's how I ended up on bass trombone. But that was six months into my trombone career. So I've never really played tenor trombone.
0: What were you doing in your professional life alongside your musical
1: life? Well, from being 16, I left school and I trained to be a a mining surveyor with the National Coal Board. And then I became a charter surveyor. And uh, I I stayed with the coal industry at Kellingley Colliery until 2001 when promotion prospects were looking very bleak. The the industry was contracting rapidly. And I I moved to the civil service to the uh, valuation office who they'd got a team that valued uh, mines and quarries and tips for uh, business rates purposes and it was a uh, mo- most of the team were ex-coal ball surveyors and uh, and that's how I ended up in the civil service and then I was promoted in Leeds into the general office and dealt with business rates in, in most of Yorkshire for, for everything from catteries and kennels to uh, supermarkets and, and uh, large office buildings multi-million pound so, and that's what I did. Uh, I ran a team that did the valuations uh, until uh, till the accident.
0: It was at Black Dyke where you spent so much of your musical life, Adrian, but how did that opportunity to get involved with the Queensbury band come about?
1: Well, I was playing with Yorkshire Imps, and, and, and in Yorkshire Imps there were quite a few uh, uh, players that had moved to Black Dyke, uh, most notably Bob Childs. And uh, when Mark decided, Mark Frost uh, decided it it was uh, really going to go pro, it it was always a fantastic player and it it, it wasn't going to stop in brass bands forever. And and he quite rightly moved on to bigger and better things. So an opportunity came up and uh, uh, Bob suggested that I might be interested. And Chris Jeans called me and ended up at at Black Dyke. That was in uh, May 1992.
0: Can you remember those early experiences at the band? Did it feel like the next step? Did it feel like a step up for you at that time?
1: Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. When I moved from uh, Barrow Collier Band to uh, to Yorkshire Imps, that was a big step up. It was from the first section up into the championship section. And and Imps back in the, even in the the late uh, 80s, so this would be 89, uh, they were a very good band. uh, So that was a huge uh, who would step up, we got David Moore on Euphonium, Alan Exley on Principal was some very good players around the stand. But going to Black Dyke, it, that was a, just another step. I didn't appreciate it at the time. You think that you, when you're in a good championship band, you think, you know, you, you've made it and, and that's that's at the top. But it, it was another step up to go to Black Dyke.
0: We know Black Dyke enjoys, in normal times, A very busy concert and competition schedule, along with the tours and the recordings. And you've enjoyed so much contest success with the band. You won just about everything as a player. Are there any projects or contests that really stick in your mind, Adrian, as particular highlights with Black Dyke or perhaps moments that you were delighted to be a part of?
1: All the contests are a pleasure to play in, especially when you win. Uh, Camp Catcher Fells with Jim Watson was the first contest to play with Black Dyke in September 92 and we, we won that which was fantastic but I've enjoyed many uh, contest successes under Nick Childs. I, I think the Nationals in 2004 sticks in my mind there was a bass trombone cadenza. In, in, in that piece and uh, obviously when, when you're on the Albert Hall stage at the National Finals with Black Dyke and the spotlights on you and you end up winning, that's a standout one. But th- there's been some of the European contests that we've won, have been, they've been fantastic uh, events to be part of. In
0: 25 odd years with Black Dyke, and the playing you had done before then, you have played rather a lot of music. How have you seen the repertoire change in that time, Adrian, particularly those bass trombone parts? How have you seen them evolve over time?
1: I think they've certainly got lower. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back, it, back in, in the day when G trombones were the norm, the lowest note you get on the a, on a G trombone would be a D flat. So a lot of the early test pieces never went below a low D flat, but now they go down to oh, pedal, e's, pedal E, pedal flat, and, and and beyond perhaps. But uh, certainly one that sticks out, muckleflugger, that was an experience. That I, I think I got five notes on the actual stage every throughout the whole piece, and every single note was on a ledger line. That's the lowest, constant lowest. Uh, piece and and at the other end some of the pieces have gone up to uh, a high C, but treble clef D, which is quite high for a bass trombone. The range is uh, certainly expanded, which is great. It's, it's great stuff. You see, people
0: I think sometimes underestimate the bass trombone, but it takes a certain talent to play the bass trombone, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a huge range. You know, it's probably the because you've got two extra valves to the. The slide replaces three vowels and you have another two valves. You've, you've probably got the biggest range of all, of all the brass instruments in a brass band, in the right hands, perhaps.
0: Now, Adrian, we come to your piece of the podcast, something which you're keen to share. Tell me about why you've chosen, or perhaps some of your experiences with, this piece.
1: Oh, Swing low, Sweet Chariot. I think Nick uh, used to feature me quite a bit. Uh, As a bass trombone soloist, and uh, it was always a big fan of Swing Low Sweet Chariot, and I've I've played that all over, all over the world. I remember playing in Australia at several concerts. Uh, I've always been had a good ear. I've been able to play by ear from from being small. Playing without music's never really bothered me. So I've come wandering through many a concert hall, uh, playing Swing Low Sweet Chariot. Made the audience jump as they hear you playing behind them. Certainly, I can remember in Perth, it was a long way from the stage to backstage, you had to go outside. Uh, When the the piece before ended, I got up while the audience are clapping, and Nick starts to talk, and I'm going through a a backstage office and out into the outside. As I'm walking outside, I heard the band start up, and there's a little quartet that starts, so I had to start running, running around the front of the concert hall through the... Bashed through the front doors, knocking the security out of the way, and then just got to the, the back of the hall just in time to start playing. That was a bit tight.
0: Well, thankfully, no such panic today as we listen to Adrian Hurst playing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot.
2: Come mm-hmm. on.
0: The Sound of Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, conducted by Nicholas Childs, was Black Dyke Band. That was the piece of the podcast, as chosen by my guest today, and indeed the soloist in that recording, Adrian Hurst. Adrian, when you were in the midst of a really busy period, juggling band and perhaps work and family life too, what made you keep going back? What made you want to keep turning up to the band hall or getting onto the coach and travelling far and wide.
1: The the love of uh, playing in such a good outfit. Not only is it a tremendous uh, band, a very successful band, the people in the band have have been really good friends and colleagues. It's just been a great atmosphere over the years. It makes you want to keep going. I'd still be going now if it wasn't for the accident. I'm not sure what would have caused me to retire. You know, you don't think, I can't do this forever. I wonder at what point I'll hang up my boots. But that decision was made for me.
0: Much of your time there was under the baton of Nicholas Childs. How much of an influence on you was Nick?
1: Uh, I think I have a, a good relationship with Nick. I've known him a long time. It's, it's quite demanding from a, a conductor point of view, but he's, he's, my management's really good. And the, the way he's organised and set up the outfit at Queensbury, since he's been there, has been great. That the band room's been refurbished. The setup's a lot better than it was when I went there in '92. And he's constantly looking at ways of improving and moving on and thinking outside the box. And Black Dyke's often at the forefront of new new adventures. And and it's that's mainly because Nick's driving things forward. He's done a very good job. As you
0: look back on your entire musical life Adrian, are there any other figures that have played a real pivotal role in your progress and your development?
1: I think there have been several key players that I've learned from. I I never had uh, any, any lessons particularly other than the school Perry, but when you're playing at the side of players like Bob Childs, David Thornton, Roger Webster, Richard Marshall, you can't help but learn just by watching and listening uh, and, and trombone players, Chris Jeans, and obviously Brett Baker, played with Brett for a long, long time. You could learn off, open your ears and learn off everybody else. Uh, and Jim Watson as well. Jim was a, a great teacher. He was obviously a very well-known and top-class trumpet player, but it, it, it was uh, really good at education. And I learned quite a lot from Jim in the in the, my early days at Black Dyke.
0: And you're back in action with the trombone, playing with Barnsley Brass, as I understand it, at least when COVID restrictions allow. How are you enjoying that experience?
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, Barnsley Brass are an incarnation of the Barrow Colliery band that me and my wife played for back in the mid-80s. And, and 10 or 11 players are still there from when we played there 30-odd years ago. So it's it's like coming home a little bit. It's the third tier of, of banding. It's not at the top of the premiership. So less pressure uh, and it's giving me more time to, to, to try and keep improving. So hopefully I'm, I'm contributing in, in some way. I played at the area uh, last March. March 2020. We, we do have to go back actually, I think tomorrow night I think is our first rehearsal, back socially distanced with bell covers on and everything, but they're a good bunch so it's it's nice to be playing and it's it's nice to have something to work to and to keep you practising.
0: You mentioned you're just about to get back to a rehearsal. You and your Fellow bandmates, you must be itching. You must be really looking forward to getting back, even if it's distanced, even if you've got those bell covers on. You must be delighted to just have band practice in the diary.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be great. Yeah, it's gonna be great to play with other people. Now. And and it's great that Karen's started to play again. She's a picked. She was a euphonium player, and before that a cornet player. But now she's a, picked up a Barry Tone. So it's good that we're doing something together. So for the last 25, 30 years, I've been going off to band on my own. Now Karen comes with me, so that's good as well. It's good from a social point of view as well.
0: Just finally for now, Adrian, how are you looking forward to the coming weeks and months as life, as restrictions hopefully start to ease off and things continue to relax? How are you looking forward to perhaps doing a little bit more playing out there with the trombone and just generally enjoying everything that you can?
1: Yeah, that, that's right. Hopefully things will start relaxing a bit. It would be nice to start playing with the, the trombone guys as well. We we formed a quartet back in 2004 when Gary joined joined Black Dyke. But Paul moved up to be a co-principal. His, his job was really busy, he couldn't continue full-time. So we formed a quartet which since the accident and Adam joining us has become a bit of a quintet. And uh, from time to time, it's a sextet. So it's it's good to still play with the guys. And we've done a couple of recording projects with with the trombones of the Salvation Army and and Grindthorpe as well. So I'm looking forward to getting back with the quartet quintet again, and uh, certainly with Barnsley Brass. And uh, I, I have the odd guest cameo appearance with Black Dive, which is always nice.
0: That's it for this episode of BB On The Record. Thank you to Adrian Hurst, and thanks to you for listening. You can support Adrian and Amy in their fundraising cycle, go to cyclethemonth.prostatecanceruk.org and search for Adrian and Amy's 100-mile cycle. Do get in touch about anything you might have heard on the podcast. You can email info at britishbandsman.com. You can enjoy a digital subscription to British Bandsman. It costs just £42.99 for one year. For the latest news, interviews and masterclasses from the stars, make sure you don't miss out. Go to britishbandsman.com and click on subscribe. As for this podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Or just ask your smart speaker to play the BB On The Record podcast. Join me next time on BB On The Record. Bye for now.